it's kind of great to think about this as a way to um, incentivize new donors to come into a nonprofit because somebody who might not have known about um, a particular nonprofit, but they're excited about the prize can make a donation here. And now the, now the nonprofit has an opportunity to reach back out to that person and really inform them about their mission. You're listening to Relish This, the Purpose Marketing Podcast. Here's your host, Stu Swinefort. Hey, everybody, Stu here. My guest today is Annie Tuckman, and she is the sales director at TapCat. And TapCat is this amazing organization that helps nonprofits figure out how to run a sweepstakes and facilitates that action. So it really creates opportunities for donation, list building, and uh, just overall engagement. It's a really great program. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before on the show. Um, Annie and I talked about all things TapCat today. And, you know, really one of the things that I think every nonprofit should know is that TapCat is there for them if they want to start trying to drive donations and build their list. Um, It's just a jam-packed episode full of great insights and information. We had a lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Annie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Stu. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, it is my pleasure. We are recording this the day after Memorial Day in 2021. And this this episode is going to air in, I think, September, or we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll air it. <laughs> Um, But I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. I'm really excited to learn about all the great things you're doing over at TapCat. I know that um, we've been friends with you guys for quite a while now, but uh, I'm I'm excited to hear more about your story and and how things are going over there. Yeah. Oh, and happy to be here and and share. We've got a lot of great successes to talk about and um, some tools and tips to share with your audience as well. Yeah, great. I'm I'm really excited. Um, so tell, why don't we start off by telling us, telling our audience a little bit more about what TapCat is and what what you guys do for nonprofits. Yeah, so TapCat is an online. Uh, we're we're a software company, and we are running fundraising sweepstakes for nonprofits. So I think uh, you know before I tell you more about what we're doing, I want to stop for a second and just talk for, about sweepstakes. Because a lot of the times in the nonprofit world, uh, you know, sweepstakes and raffles get interchanged when mm-hmm. they are actually two really different types of contests. And it's important that we're labeling them the right way because raffles are considered gambling. Mm-hmm. So raffles are regulated at a state level, uh, which means every state's going to have different rules on how they want raffles run in their state because they've because they're gambling. In some states, I think it's eight or nine right now, uh, don't even allow raffles. So they are illegal in some states. So what's the difference between uh, a raffle and a sweepstakes, just so that people can wrap their arms around it? Yeah, yeah. So a sweepstakes has a no purchase necessary to enter into the contest. So that's different than a raffle because with a raffle, every single person that enters the contest is going to be buying a ticket. And so sweepstakes have this alternative method of entry for, uh, for somebody to enter into the contest and they have people who are entering with a donation. So because of that, because there's a no purchase necessary to enter these sweepstakes contests are legal in all 50 States. 
Um, you can cross state lines with them, which is really important when you get to marketing a campaign. Mm-hmm. And um, you there's cash flow throughout the campaign. So um, with a raffle, you have to segregate funds. You have to hold on to them uh, until the end of the campaign. With a sweepstakes, the funds that are coming into a contest are readily available for a nonprofit's use. That's great. I, I know you mentioned, and and this is kind of one of the unique things about the TapCat model, is that it's it's also driving donations and and trying to get people to participate in the sweepstakes based upon a level of donation um, that has a ticket equivalent uh, component to it. Is is that still the current model? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see uh, we have the free entry method. But we see 98 to 99% of folks are purchasing tickets. So it's a small pot that's a 1% to 2% of the tickets in the contest are free. Okay. So it's really, really small. And there's so many benefits to a sweepstakes um, that you get with this little with this little change, you know, this little difference between the sweepstakes and the raffle. Oh, that's great. Do, do are the are the donations still tax deductible for for people? You know, we are not um, CPAs, so we we in our we recommend for our nonprofits that we take the stance that we're going to give your donor everything they need to take to their ac- uh, accountant, to their tax uh, accountant, and their tax accountant can de- determine whether or not that donation is tax deductible or not. Okay, so it may be different in different states. Is is kind of what I'm hearing there. Yeah, and I think it can be different for different tax uh, situations as well. Oh, okay, cool. Um, well, it's a really cool model. So essentially, people set up a campaign and then um, and then solicit donations to to uh, participate in that sweepstakes. Yeah, and our nonprofits are giving away some really incredible prizes. It's really unfortunate that we at TapCat can't enter to win some of these because <laughs> they are so cool. We're drooling over a lot of them. Um, right now, we've got uh, Ronald McDonald House in Denver. They're giving away a conversion van. Um, same with uh, Junior Achievement in Northern Indiana. They're doing a, a conversion van that looks amazing. And we got Paradox Sports. Here in Colorado, giving away a teardrop trailer, some great cars, great experiences. So all of these prizes are are really, really exciting um, and really fun for donors, fun for us too. Yeah, absolutely. It is too bad <laughs> you guys can't can't participate because some of those prizes are are amazing. I don't want to get too far ahead of things, and and certainly feel free to to back us up. But how do what what are the types of prizes that you've seen um, work really well? We've seen, um, gosh, we've seen experiences do well. We've seen uh, trips do well on here, cars. Um, we had Fargo Air Museum in North Dakota just do a side-by-side, and they blew it out of the park. I mean, they did such a great job on on that campaign. And so it's really, you know, it's anything that's really desirable for uh, for donors. Okay. What we've seen that hasn't worked are things that are kind of everyday um, like for some reason we don't do, we haven't seen trucks do really well. Hmm. Okay. Uh, we haven't seen, you know, the, I, I think if a, any development director who's listening to this and they have, can probably look behind them and see all the baskets from last year's silent auction that didn't sell, those aren't going to do well <laughs> in a campaign like this either. Gotcha. So it, yeah, really so something, ex- something different and, and unique, um, and kind of customized seems to be the, the ticket. 
Yeah, I, I I would say along those lines, something that is is unique, but we've also done trips to Napa Valley that have done really well. So okay. yeah, um, just something to gain, uh, get interest from donors. Yeah, absolutely. So we like to talk about the, um, not only the kind of engage phase, but the, the um, inspire phase of an audience participation. Do you do you have any data on ongoing participation after sweepstakes in terms of, of getting new donors and keeping them in the fold or have, have you, do you have enough data to, to be able to speak about that? Yeah, we do. I think a really good example is the Shelby American collection car museum in, in Boulder, Colorado. They are on their six sweepstakes with us and every year they give away a similar prize. So they'll do a new Mustang, a new Shelby Mustang. Okay. And they are seeing a really high percentage of folks who are donating into the contest one year are also donating the next year. And um, what's kind of cool is not only are we seeing, uh, you know, we're not seeing a lot of donor fatigue inside these contests, but we're also seeing that through the duration of one single sweepstakes campaign, 14 to 22% of folks will donate multiple times just in that one campaign. Oh, that's great. It's really interesting. And and then the the nonprofits own all of these all of the data from the campaigns themselves, right? So they can continue to reach out to those donors throughout the year, even if a campaign isn't isn't running um after the fact. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm gonna jump back to the Shelby American collection because I know with them, they when they started off their first sweepstakes, they had 800 donors on their donor list. So that means, uh, and I mean, I mean that by they had 800 donors in their email database. Okay. Definitely did not mean for them that they had 800 active donors. That right. was probably 10 of them were actually active donors. Um, so throughout the years, they have built that list year after year, and now they have about 40,000 people in just Whoa. six years. That's amazing. On that list. Yeah, really incredible. And so when they do an e-blast now out to that base, um, they'll see between forty and $60,000 come in for their campaigns. Okay, for their sweepstakes campaign. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> That's really cool. Um, that list building component is is fascinating. Are, are those people, do they tend to be active other times of the year or are they pretty much, you know, sweepstakes type? um, donors at this point? You know, the museum, uh, that museum is kind of a special case because they, their entire, almost their entire budget is run on these campaigns now. Okay. So they have, they run them, uh, annually and they run them for about 11 to 12 months. Okay. Um, so most of the people who are on that list are donating, uh, through that campaign back into the museum. Okay, great. And I'm assuming that the as they've run more campaigns, their campaigns have been more successful. Can you talk, speak to the, to the growth? Um, I think you said you, you've run five campaigns thus far. They're on their sixth campaign. Okay. So their first one started off at about 235,000 that they raised gross donations. Um, okay. then it went to 357, then 435, I believe, um, 533. And then last year in 2020, they raised, uh, 1.3 million. Whoa. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, that's some amazing job. growth. That is it's, outstanding. Yeah, it's incredible. It's it's really inspiring to see. 
um, what they've accomplished in, in, in their, with their sweepstakes. I mean, their nonprofit was, um, and it, I know they, it's okay with them if I share this, but, um, their nonprofit was kind of underwater because they are a car museum that Mm -hmm. was focused around one man for all of you that have seen Ford versus Ferrari. They're, they're about, um, Shelby Cobras and GT forties. So when Carol Shelby passed away, uh, they used to have a big gala where he would attend and it, right. it, it would bring in, um, you know, a couple, uh, maybe 50 or $60,000, which would be their operating, barely their operating expenses for the year and keep them going. Wow. And then when he passed, they needed a new way to raise funds for that museum. Right. Well, maybe you so, can get Matt, Matt Damon and, and Christian Bale to come in next yeah, year. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> um, but just to talk about data for, for a minute here, they do – all of our sweepstakes, our nonprofits own the data that are coming in. And so just like the Shelby American Collection, our, our nonprofits that are seeing the most success are the nonprofits that are using that data that's coming in each year um, and running a, a campaign with a similar prize – uh, remarketing to the folks that have already donated and plus doing some um, additional marketing on, marketing on top of that mm-hmm. to uh, bring in uh, more funds to have these campaigns grow. Right. So when somebody does make a donation on the platform, that data, the, the nonprofit, I'm sorry, the donors data is uh, going into the nonprofits uh, database. Okay. And they have access to that at any time. Oh, that's great. So it's a, a real list building opportunity as well as a, a donation tool. Um, so looking at, at those as kind of the, the core, um, you know, two of the core benefits that come out of, of running a TapCat campaign, um, you know, for most, most nonprofits, I would, I would say that they're trying to, to build bo- both of those items. Yeah, it's you know it's really neat, and it's it's kind of great to think about this as a way to um, incentivize new donors to come into a nonprofit because somebody who might not have known about um, a particular nonprofit but they're excited about the prize mm-hmm. can make a donation here, and now the now the nonprofit has an opportunity to reach back out to that person and really inform them about their mission. Right. One of the things we talk about a lot, particularly on donation pages, is really reinforcing the value proposition. And that being this idea of why should a donor give to this particular nonprofit or a different nonprofit or no one at all? And and how, mm-hmm. how to really frame that statement. And so I would imagine that you know, the, the prize itself is certainly a huge draw, but nonprofits in the system, in the TapCat system can really reinforce all the good that they're doing and and how this donation, you know, on top of the opportunity to win a prize is going to make their donors feel. And, uh, and, and so weaving that kind of narrative into the, into the structure of that sweepstakes is probably, um, a valuable opportunity to, to kind of get that mission out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's so important to us too. We have a section on the each campaign page where a donor can come on and they can uh, learn about that nonprofit and, you know, a couple paragraphs and they have the opportunity to go to their website and um, learn even more about the nonprofit and, and an opportunity to contact them. Oh, that's great. How, how much do, on, on average, do nonprofits need to, to invest in, in TapCat in terms of like, what, what is it? what does TapCat cost and, and, um, and what is the usual, uh, marketing budget for, for a campaign? Yeah. You know, that's the really cool thing about these sweepstakes. One thing that I, I really love about this type of fundraising is that, 
um, there's no there's no risk to a nonprofit. So there's no upfront cost. There's no fees um, associated with setting up a campaign site. So if a nonprofit sets up a site and for whatever reason they don't raise any money, they're not out any money either. Um, so we charge a transaction rate for a, a nonprofit to run a campaign with us. And that is a 10% transaction rate. And how that works is as soon as somebody makes a donation, um, that, that gets pulled out. We use Stripe as our payment processor. So their processing fees get pulled out. And then the rest goes into the nonprofit's account. So funds in these campaigns, um, like I mentioned in the beginning of our conversation, they are readily available for a nonprofit's use. So there's not, you know, we're not escrowing any funds. There's cash in their account so that they can, they can be, uh, you know, if they have some overhead they need to cover, if they want to put money back into the campaign to mm -hmm. do some outside advertising, they can do that. Um, those funds are, are there for the nonprofit. And do you see a, a, a typical marketing spend that, that you recommend for, for a campaign based on price size or, or potential, uh, potentially on how much they're attempting to, to raise? Yeah. You know, that's a great question, Stu. And I think it's really dependent on the nonprofit and what the prize is. Um, very roughly, I can tell you, you know, 20 to 25% of gross expected raise can be, uh, sometimes appropriate for uh, a nonprofit on their first campaign to expect to spend towards marketing expenses. That's a great number to, to, to budget for. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So as, so walk a nonprofit, walk, walk someone through the decision-making process in terms of, of the things they need to, to kind of wrap their arms around and, and budget for and, and then maybe even do to, to create the best opportunity for a successful campaign. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I, you know, typically when I start working with a nonprofit, we'll talk first about timing because mm -hmm. I know, you know, a lot of nonprofits as we're getting out of COVID and back into events, a lot of nonprofits are wanting to host events and um, it's so fun to draw the winner of a, of a sweepstakes at an event, Oh yeah, uh, you know, because it, everybody there, you know, a lot of people will have participated. It's another fun thing to do at an event. Um, sometimes that timing doesn't always work out. So also appropriate to launch at an event. Um, if, if that's how it looks best for a nonprofit, but, um, I'm saying events, it, we have nonprofits who don't run any events and who run these sweepstakes really successfully. So there's a couple options there, but I think timing is the first thing to look at and to also think about, um, how much money does the nonprofit want to raise? Okay. Cause that can also, you know, if they just need to raise $10,000, well, they might be able to do that in, in two months with a particular prize. And, um, we have a nonprofit, the New Jersey Audubon and they, uh, they run these 10 day contests with us a couple times a year and they raise about $10,000. So just a little bit under in 10 days. So, Oh, that's great. Yeah. Really, really fun to do. Uh, there are they, are there prizes like spotting scopes and, and things like that? Or what, what are their typical, uh, sweepstakes prizes on, on a short campaign like that? Yeah, that's exactly right. They do spotting scopes and they do this, uh, Cape May festival. And so they'll do a, a trip out to Cape May. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks like a, uh, I've only seen the pictures, but it looks amazing. 
And then what, what are the next steps in terms of getting a, getting a campaign off, off the ground? Yeah. So once a nonprofit has determined, um, has an idea around timing, has an idea around how much they want to raise, uh, of course, the next thing to look at is prizes. And prizes are dependent on a couple different things. Um, prizes don't always correlate with the nonprofit's mission. So we have some nonprofits who give away cars who aren't doing anything related to cars. And we have some nonprofits who want to tie prizes in to their mission in different ways. So um, the really uh, amazing thing about prizes too, I'm, I'm getting so excited about sweepstakes. The, <laughs> the great thing about prizes is that unless they are donated, um, they are on consignment. Okay. So that means um, another reason why these campaigns are no risk to an, a nonprofit is they are not purchasing the prize until the end of a campaign, only if they hit the minimum that they want to raise. Oh, interesting. So if you had a, a let's say an environmental or a, a outdoor nonprofit, for example, and you wanted to give away, I know everyone's all excited about Sprinter vans and Sprinter mm -hmm. van conversions right now. And so if you wanted to give away that prize, you wouldn't have to come up with the 100000 or whatever that particular prize might cost up front. You can actually just buy that on commission. And then as soon as you get to the, to the raise that you were looking for, then, then you put that order in to purchase the, the prize itself. Is that how that works? Yes, that's exactly right. And Sprinter vans are kind of a special, I think they're, they're kind of a, um, they've got a special clause to them because right now they're in such high demand mm -hmm. that, um, a lot of these conversion companies are selling, uh, build spots. Okay. And those build spots can sometimes be like a year or a year and a half away. Right. So right. it's a good time if a nonprofit is thinking about doing a conversion van to find a company that they want to work with. Um, some of these companies will, uh, you know, hold a hold a build spot for them. Some of them want a, a little bit of a deposit, which might just be five thousand, you know, five thousand or something small okay. like that. So not huge. Um, so that when a, if a nonprofit runs their campaign for a year. Uh, then at the end of the year, you know, then, then the build spots may be only three months away. So it's not as gotcha. bad right. Um, right. <laughs> as waiting a year and a half right. for a build spot. Um, and, but, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, our other prizes like the side-by-sides and um, some of the cars, you know, those are still on, on consignment and then those will be ready for a donor at the end of the campaign. Okay. So when they win the prize, they're going to go pick up the prize and it'll be a little bit more immediate than getting a conversion van. Gotcha. Well, I, I picked the toughest uh, category apparently. <laughs> um, so in terms of, in terms of, of the nonprofit's responsibility after the fact, are, are there taxes involved in this process that, that people need to be aware of or do the, are the nonprofits potentially putting any of their donors into any sort of strange situations in terms of, of liability um, with winning a, a particularly a larger prize? Yeah. So um, how that works is, and this is true for a raffle as well. Uh, if a prize is over $5,000, then a, um, a donor is responsible for paying the taxes unless the nonprofit chooses to cover the taxes. Okay. And taxes are uh, 24% of the fair market value of a prize. Okay. So as you can imagine, a $100,000 conversion van, that can be pretty high for some people, um, you know, if the nonprofit chooses not to cover that. 
So there's always a cash alternative in case somebody wins the prize and they can't pay the taxes on it or they choose not to pay the taxes on it, then they can get a great cash prize alternative instead. Okay. And is the cash prize usually the equivalent amount or is it a, a lesser amount? What's the, how do, how do people usually handle that? Yeah, it's usually a little bit less than the, than the um, fair market value of the prize. Okay. Do any nonprofits weave uh, a cash component into the, into the prize itself to help cover the, the tax burden? Yeah, some of them do. Um, the Shelby American Collection is one of those. So they are throwing in $25,000 on top of the car because believe it or not, a Shelby Mustang is a $100,000 car, the new ones. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, which I can believe, I mean, it's a beautiful car. It's it's really stunning. Um, and uh, it, it's seven, uh, 760 horsepower. I don't know what I would do with that. Um, but that, uh, so they, so the winner will get the taxes on top of that, that cash for the taxes. Okay. Okay. So there are a couple different ways to handle that. Um, what happens if a, if a, a, a sweepstakes doesn't go as well as one had hoped and they don't raise enough to either cover the cost of the, <clears throat> of the prize itself or, or even maybe they don't raise enough, uh, based upon what they were hoping to, hoping to raise. Yeah. So if a nonprofit, uh, so, so all nonprofits that we work with, we recommend setting a minimum on the campaign for just this reason. So if they don't raise enough money to cover the cost of the prize, then, um, and then some, so typically we set the minimum on a prize rough uh, on a campaign, roughly two times the, the cost of the prize. Okay. So if they don't reach that minimum, um, then the, the gross donation, I'm sorry, the net donations will be split 50, 50 with the nonprofit and with the winner. Okay. So if they had a hundred thousand dollar prize, you'd set the minimum at 200,000, for example, and let's say they only raised a hundred thousand, then, then the nonprofit would take 50 and the, and the, the winner would take 50. Yes, exactly. Okay. So there's always a winner in these contests. There's never a, a situation where, um, you know, everybody's getting a refund. There's always going to be okay. a winner and that winner is going to get a cash prize instead. And we've had that happen. I mean, that's, that's, that's happened in our five years of being in business and we've only heard good things from the winners. You know, they're excited to get a, a check and, and, you know, they didn't get a prize, but they got the, or the prize that was advertised, but they did get a check. Okay. That's it. That's really interesting. Are there any categories of nonprofits that you've that you've seen do really well in this, or or any that that you uh, you know usually caution to stay away from this type of a of an engagement, or does it all really just sort of depend on the prize? Um, I think it. There's so many factors in here because we've seen um, we had a nonprofit traveling stories run a campaign with us, and they have one staff member, one executive director, mm -hmm. and they raised $20,000 on their campaign, which was really exciting for them. So we've seen nonprofits that are so, uh, that are small like that do really well. And then we've seen, um, large nonprofits were running a campaign right now for JDRF and they're, it's just taken off. So, um, you know, it really just, it, it's not always about the prize. It's, um, it's not always about, uh, the size of the nonprofit. I think sometimes it can be really important that, a when a nonprofit comes to us and they want to run a campaign that they just, that they have the staff time, um, they have somebody who's going to stay on this and, and, uh, and do the promotion and send out the emails, 
Um, you know, it's not something that does take, it's not a full-time job for a staff member. This isn't a 40 hour a week campaign. Right. But I, I would recommend that a nonprofit, when they look at doing this, that they can dedicate a couple, couple hours a week from a staff member to dedicate to putting towards their sweepstakes campaign. And what are those activities? Typically, is it running um, Google ad campaigns or, or just posting to social media? Or is there some engagement component that you've seen work really well once people actually have taken that step to uh, to donate? Yeah, the um, the marketing side uh, for the, for the nonprofit does look like, it looks like, um, social media posts. It looks like sending out emails to their base or connecting with sponsors. It looks like, uh, calling you guys at relish and getting some help as well, um, on putting together an email campaign or, uh, doing some Facebook ads. So there is, you know, it's just like any fundraising campaign. It's a little bit of everything that needs to be going on to, to have a successful sweepstakes. Gotcha. Do you have any, <clears throat> excuse me, tie-ins between TapCat and like content or, or customer relations management tools, CRMs, where uh, when people are getting active in a campaign, you can put them into, um, you know, an email automation. You know, we have a, on the back end dashboard that a nonprofit will have access to in their sweepstakes. They'll be able to download their donor data as a CSV. So Whichever CRM they're using out there, they can throw that data right into there, right into that uh, CRM, and uh, start marketing to them. Oh, that's great, and that they can do that as frequently as they prefer during the course of that campaign. Yes, absolutely. Oh, that's great. So there's no there's no delays on access to data or access to funds. So people yeah. can can just jump right in and use those items how they see fit. Yeah. As soon as somebody makes a donation, they're going to be in that data set. So the nonprofit will have the ability to shoot that out to so shoot them an email or, you know, um, whatever they'd like to do. That's great. So for a nonprofit considering this, it sounds like it's pretty straightforward to get going. Do, do they just need to ca- contact TACCAT and, and, and ask more questions or what's the, what's the typical onboarding process look like? Yeah. Um, so right now, uh, they can reach right out to me and I'd love to chat with them and see if it would make sense for them to, to run a campaign right now. Um, and, uh, onboarding right now is it's pretty quick. So, um, they got to buckle their seatbelts and get ready for a (laughs) (laughs) campaign ride. Um, as soon as we get a site up, which just takes us a a day or two, once we have all the information we need from the nonprofit, they'll be ready to start fundraising. And, uh, so it's a really quick turnaround. And, um, what we recommend is that a nonprofit, uh, has a marketing plan in place and, and ready to go right when we hit the live button on the, on the sweepstakes so that they are raising funds right off the bat. So what do you recommend as part of that marketing campaign? Yeah, you know, marketing can be prize dependent um, and it can be, um, yeah, it's it's really prize dependent. We offer a lot of uh, guidance when it does come to marketing dependent on the prize that a nonprofit is choosing to run with. So uh, TapCat does negotiate rates with third parties on advertising um, okay. which looks like we've, we've got, uh, some organization or some businesses that can help a nonprofit with Facebook ads. We've got different publications that nonprofits can rent lists from or online, uh, blogs that they can, um, utilize space on there that has been successful for our other nonprofits. 
So uh, TAFCAT negotiates those rates, and then we pass that along to our customers, depending on which prize they have and and where it would be appropriate to market that prize. Gotcha. That's great. So if they're running a car sweepstakes, you have potentially access to some some lists that might be valuable for them to send to, um, you know, of people who might be interested in, in joining a sweepstakes for a car. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's perfect. Do you, I know that Google for nonprofits has Google grants and they, uh, if you qualify, um, can release some funds for advertising. What's your take on, on that? Or are there any uh, pitfalls or, or, things that nonprofits need to be aware of if they're hoping to use um, Google grants money? Yeah. One of the things that we recommend is that a nonprofit puts their sweepstakes on the homepage of their nonprofit. Okay. And um, that's for uh, transparency on these campaigns and, you know, any traffic that they're getting on their website, somebody can come on and see that sweepstakes right away. Uh, So with the Google ad grants, um, as, as you know, Stu, they can only go straight to a nonprofit's URL. Okay. And yep. our uh, since we host the sweepstakes at, at tapcat.com, the URL isn't going to look like the URL that the nonprofit hosts their website main website on. Okay. So Got, we've gotcha. seen nonprofits have a lot of success using those grants that direct to the page. It's a it's you know two clicks. Uh, so a donor will see that ad, click to their website and then be able to click to their campaign page. Okay. That's great. Do do you feel like, hmm, I'm just curious about, about how that whole Google grants process works. Are, are people typically running ads that are just very sweepstakes oriented? Are they, you know, is it win a, win a car or what are, what are the types of, of display ads or, or, um, uh, you know, ads that, that people are running. Do you, do you know what, what's been successful? Oh, shoot. You know, that's not directly my area, but if <laughs> no, a nonprofit fine. is interested, they can contact me and I'll, I'll find out and, and share some ads that are working for our other nonprofits. Oh, that's great. Do you, well, that's, that actually, I, I just had an, an, an idea and I don't know if you may already have thought of this or, or do it already, but have you started a, you know, a, a, a Facebook group or anything like that for, for TapCat sweepstakes uh, nonprofits so that people can um, bounce ideas around and, and hear what's worked in the past or what's working for um, nonprofits running campaigns? Oh, that's a great idea. Um, you know, right now we are working on a, a marketing tutorial so we can share uh, with, uh, send, send that out to our nonprofits so that they have all the, everything they need to successfully market their campaign. And through that, we were going to share some stuff that was working for other nonprofits that they could see, you know, how do I send out an email? How do I create a, um, a three by five postcard to give out at my events and right. different how to's uh, through that. Yeah. So it seems like that might be a really interesting way to start to build community around, around TapCat and, um, you know, enable some of these people who are coming in. Cause, cause I'm sure the first, the first couple years of campaigns that they run will be a little less successful than potentially their third and fourth and fifth year, uh, sweepstakes. Um, but just building that community and, and facilitating those, those interactions might be an interesting way for people to not only 
kind of engage in the nonprofit community, but also in the in this new TapCat community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm just remembering that this will be out in September. So by September, we'll definitely have the marketing tutorial ready for <laughs> <That sounds awesome. laughs> for our nonprofits. Yeah, I'd say the biggest question marks is we've I've talked with people on the show about TapCat in the past, and and certainly, um, you know, we're always having conversations over here at Relish with um, with potential nonprofit partners about things that might work for them. And one of the things that we've noticed or that we've recommended is if nonprofits have access to a a corporate uh, partner or sponsor that is really well aligned with their mission that, well, or even, or even not potentially depending upon what the prize is, um, that can be a really great asset to bring to the table when considering a TapCat cam- campaign. So like you mentioned, the Shelby uh, American Museum had a, a very small, well, I mean, you know, decent decent mailing list, mm-hmm. but not certainly not 40,000 when, when they started. And, um, and so one of the questions or the concerns that a lot of the people that, that I speak with have is, well, what if my list is really small? And so one of the things that we start to look for are potential um, corporate sponsor type opportunities to leverage either that marketing department within that corporate partner or um, or access to their mailing list. So, for example, if you're um, – well, I know that um, you mentioned – Paradox Sports is running a campaign. Um, one of the things that we spoke with Paradox about was the fact that they have access to a lot of really big corporate sponsors like North Face and people like that. And so leveraging that asset can be a really valuable uh, component to bring to a TapCat sweepstakes. Yeah, absolutely. And that was going to be one of my tips for the day is that I think sometimes nonprofits forget uh, or some of the nonprofits I talk to will forget about um, or, or, or not think of this as including some of their sponsors who might be able to help them promote the campaign. And, and may, they might even have a sponsor, especially during COVID, who can't give financially this year, but they can give and they can give marketing dollars. Um, they can give access. Uh, yeah. not, you know, they can do an email blast out to their base. And that can look so many different ways. I mean, it could even be a, a law firm that that they could shoot, you know, send that out to their base through, through, um, you know, through their email, mm-hmm. or it could be, I, I think a good example of this is, uh, Ari here in Colorado, the American Institute for Avalanche Research and Education. They teamed up with, um, they did a sweepstakes with Cl- climb and they did a sweepstakes with Arctic cat. And, uh, so both of those companies are manufacturing, uh, snowmobiles and, and sleds. Um, right. I, still, I still haven't figured out the difference between a snowmobile and a sled. I think I should know that. But um, <laughs> so this the snowmobile that they did recently with Arctic Cat raised uh, two hundred fourteen thousand dollars, and that was uh, and that was in th- three months. That was in a really short period. Wow! And that was getting um, you know Arctic Cat and Climb both really supported uh, Ari in these two campaigns that they did. And the uh, last one with Arctic Cat that raised 214, 214000 they did so much promotion for them. I mean, it's so amazing to see a for-profit that has a huge base like this, right? that has the ability, that has the marketing team, you know, to, to promote one of these campaigns. It, it's just incredible to see the results that can happen through that. Were there any, any takeaways from how they approached that marketing that 
that uh, other nonprofits might be able to benefit from? Were there were there any things that just surprised you about how they handled the the outreach? Yeah, you know, they were so consistent. They were so creative. They were always doing. They did a bunch of really great videos. They did. Okay. Um, uh, emails they had it on their uh, website, but it was really the the consistency that I saw uh, that I think was the most successful for this. Yeah, that consistency tends to be one of those things that if you can nail that, you can really start to make some big strides just by committing to um, you know a, a specific cadence that's you know first of all achievable, and then and then if you if you're knocking it out of the park, you can you can up that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do, do you remember if Climb or Articat gave the nonprofit the, um, the prizes as well, or were they mostly on board just from mar- a marketing standpoint? Um, you know, that's a good question I, that I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, I, I do think these snowmobiles, if they did purchase them or if they donated them, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but they're, I heard, and I, and I am, I, I, you know, I'm not sure if this is hundred percent true. Um, I think they're about 10 to $12,000 yeah. prize. So th- that's another good example of something that's really desirable. It's not, um, you, you know, it's not crazy, crazy expensive, like a car. Uh, and it raised, I mean, $214,000 for a, a $10,000 prize. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. I would, I, I think that thinking, taking the time to think about what corporate sponsors you have and what they might be able to bring to the table. And it's not always about asking for product. Um, although that certainly could be helpful. I think, you know, I think getting, getting a prize donated would be amazing. However, it, if you can simply t- tap into these marketing teams and, and the, and then the lists and and the opportunity to spread that word that that's um you know that, that's an incredible way to to leverage those those partnerships yeah absolutely and and i hear from uh not um businesses that that are supplying some kind of uh, you know some kind of product that they do get asked all the time for donations from nonprofits mm-hmm. so this is a little bit of a different way to approach one of these for profit businesses that um, isn't a, isn't an ask for a donation. It, it's a, a way for the business too to promote the good culture and, and the work that they're doing as a business to help local nonprofits uh, yeah. or help nonprofits in, in the country to raise funds. Yeah, I would think I just thought of something interesting. I'm on the board of the Netherland Area Trails Organization, and I know we've been talking with you for a while about for potentially running a campaign because we'd we'd actually like to get a snow sled up here. Um, to help groom trails during the winter for Nordic skiing. And you're spot on that the, 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 the uh, machines we're looking at are, are in that 12 to $15,000 oh, okay, range. So they, <laughs> they are uh, not inexpensive, but they certainly aren't a hundred thousand dollars Shelby. Um, yeah, yeah. But one of the things that would be interesting is if you, if even if the nonprofit was buying a, uh, a prize, for example, from a company, just asking that company to market for the, you know, as part of buying the price, go ahead and leverage that, that email list, um, and go ahead and try and get the word out, um, so that you can make sure that you reach your minimums and actually go through with the purchase. Um, that might be an interesting way to kind of 
sweeten the deal on a, on a prize that uh, a nonprofit was going to have to um, secure themselves. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that business gets to turn around and turn and sell a product. Yeah. Yeah. So if, you know, for example, one of the ideas that we had was, was why don't we, why don't we sweepstakes off a snow, a snow machine, a snowmobile, and we'll just, um, you know, buy two. Um, and so we could probably get a price break cause we're buying two and, um, and then, you know, put one in the sweepstakes and keep the other one. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> but, uh, but taking it one step further and either asking, you know, wherever we were contracting with to buy the, to buy the actual equipment, um, you know, have them promote the sweepstakes as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, no, it never hurts to ask. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the answer is always no, if you don't ask. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are there, are there any other pitfalls or, or exciting tips that you would have for a nonprofit that we haven't, haven't chatted about already that, uh, that, that you'd like to share? Yeah. You know, I think another thing I, I might've touched on a little bit earlier, but really where we see the most success is when nonprofits are duplicating these campaigns on an annual or semi-annual basis. So if they are doing a, a snowmobile one year, doing a snowmobile the next year, I mean, that they're going to see incredible results. And that's what we see across the board with all of our sweepstakes. Do you see opportunities to escalate? So for example, if a nonprofit was sort of wanting to dip their toes in the tap cat pool as it were or or had some you know trepidation about how things were were going to run have you seen success in in a smaller campaign the first year and then and then going oh this this actually works really well and and jumping in uh to a larger campaign the the following year or do they mostly succeed if you're if you're really trying to get into very similar prize types year after year yeah you know my my advice would be to try and stay inside of a category. So so sometimes, you know, a nonprofit might not hit their minimum the first year, which is okay. They're still walking away with a substantial amount of cash. Mm-hmm. And then the next year they they hit it and they reach the minimum. They're giving away a prize and walking away with even more cash. So, you know, I'm always happy I'm always happy to talk to a nonprofit about a strategy around this because it can look different for different organizations. Right, and it, it seems like in theory, or at least the way that we would we would kind of try to approach this, um, that it's probably beneficial from a audience building standpoint to try and stay in your kind of in your category. Um, so if you're, you know, if for for example, Netherland Area Trails Organization might want to stick in that kind of outdoor space in terms of the prize. So maybe the first year we could do a small trailer, and then the second year we could do a bigger trailer, and then third year do um, you know, a, a, a sprinter van or something like that. <laughs> but at least you're sort of staying in that same category because the list that you're building um, is going to be, you know, interested in either your organization or the sweepstakes or ideally both. And, um, and so as long as you're not, you know, jumping around from, you know, some sort of I don't know, opera tickets one year and then uh, <laughs> a airplane boat. ride the next <laughs> yeah. year or whatever. Like as long as you're staying in that, in that, um, that same sort of zone, you're able to, um, to kind of piggyback on the progress that you've made year over year, because the audience should be relatively 
homogenous, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think that's um, that's a good way to put it because we don't want to see a really small nonprofit try and take on a hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar, you know, sprinter van the first year, and right. you know, we don't want to see somebody not do well. So um, we probably would recommend a smaller trailer to okay. start off with. What are some of the more unique prizes you've seen come through the TAPCAT system? Oh, I've got a good one for you. Um, and maybe parents totally understand this. I don't have children, so um, it, it made me chuckle when I saw this. But we had a school give away a parking spot in their sweepstakes. <laughs> That's amazing. For <laughs> yeah. just like basketball games and stuff or I, what? For like drop-off or um, just oh, that's awesome. you know, drop-off and pick-up. How much money did they raise? <laughs> I think they raised about ten, ten or twelve thousand dollars on that. <laughs> That's fantastic! <laughs> yeah. Oh, really cool. So just super thinking outside of the box on that one. Yeah, but again, That's to the desire, desirability. I mean, I can. I, I remember what it was like when trying to get dropped off at school, and yeah. it can, it's chaos. It's total chaos. So to have that parking spot, especially if you can get a parking spot for twenty five, fifty bucks for the whole year. Um, that's pretty incredible. That is really awesome. It's interesting because it comes back down to understanding your target audience. And and if you're running a sweepstakes or if you're trying to just attract an audience to be a, become a donor or even a, even a volunteer, really understanding the challenges that they're facing and the, and the hardships that they're wanting to overcome or the, those pain points that they're trying to you know, trying to alleviate, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if you can come at it from that perspective where you become, you know, a, a solutions provider for that particular challenge, then you, you know, you've done a lot of the work already. Um, yes. so it's kind of interesting to think <laughs> about and put that into perspective. And that might be some additional work, um, upfront that nonprofits can do when they're really trying to select, select a prize is think about the motivations of the audience mm-hmm. that you're trying to reach and, um, and come up with something that's, that's going to, um, you know, appeal to, uh, those, those challenges or, or the, the resolutions of those challenges, at least. That's a, that's a really great point because I do think it's really important at the beginning of a campaign to look at who they want to target. And we do have nonprofits coming to us and that saying, are there, donor base is getting older, they're aging out, they're not sure what they're going to do to or how to connect with the younger demographic. And, um, you know, I don't want to just say the conversion van is the way to go for everything, but (laughs) what a great way to connect with a younger uh, audience and group of donors within a conversion van or something outdoorsy and fun, or even, um, you know, Disney World. There's just so many options when it comes to that. Right. Any other uh, fun uh, sweepstakes prizes that have come through that you can think of, or did the, did the parking spot blow everybody else out of the water? <laughs> you know, the parking spot was really one of a kind. Um, <laughs> I don't think we had anything quite like that. That's great. Are yeah. people, are people offering multiple prizes? Like it, take the Shelby, uh, American collection museum, for example, are, are, is there just a single prize or are there runner up type prizes that, that are offered? Yeah. On occasion, we'll have a runner up prize. Um, we have, we, we haven't seen in our data that that is drives a campaign that that gets folks to okay. donate more. 
So we do recommend having one really exciting prize. It makes marketing so much easier. It's really hard to tell the story of three different prizes or two different prizes through a Mm. marketing campaign. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah. It makes it really, um, it can just get too, too much instead of just having one clear, exciting, uh, desirable prize. Yeah, that I, I can see from a marketing standpoint that that's how that could be. Have you have you gotten repeat donors within a single sweepstakes by adding to the prize? Um, yeah, we ha- we actually have. We've had a lot of success when a nonprofit um, will put up a prize, and actually, Paradox Sports is a good example of this because they have their trailer. Yes, I'm right about that. Okay. Um, Paradox Sports is a great example. They've got their trailer. They just threw in a couple, some gear onto that as well. So it was a really great way for them to reach back out to their donor base. Uh, yeah. So they, so they the- get people originally coming in just for the trailer and then they add, <clears throat> I don't know, a fly fishing kit or whatever makes sense for them. I, they're a climbing organization. So maybe a, you know, a rack and a rope mm-hmm. and, <clears throat> and then reach back out to the people who've who've already participated and say, Hey, this is, this got, this got even better. Do you want to kick back in? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We see a lot of success with that and that's sweetening the grand place prize. That's awesome. I love, I love the idea of being able to kind of go back to that well. And, and particularly when you have someone who's bought into, you know, even if they've given 25 bucks for, I don't know, I guess different different sweepstakes have different ticket allotments per Mm -hmm. donation, right? Yes. So, you know, let's just say it's, let's just say it's $25 for 25 tickets and then they up the, up the prize or get people excited. I mean, it's like that eBay model, right? Where, where they, one of the most brilliant things that eBay did was call it winning something um, (laughs) because it taps into that, um, that part of our brains where, where at the end we're like, well, I've already given 25, but if I can, you know, I'll get 10 more and that'll up my chances. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Stu, these contests snowball. Um, and so we see this every time that at towards the end of the campaign, more and more donations are going to come in and they're going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, some of these contests, especially our bigger ones, they really take on a life of their own because, because of just that, because of what you were ex- explaining, um, talking about that's, it just gets so exciting. These are fun. It's so fun. It's so fun when a, to hear a nonprofit talk about the experience of giving away a, an amazing trip or giving away, um, a side by side, like that really, it's just, it's fun for everybody. Are there any tools that nonprofits can use on their site or, or that are included in the TapCat um, platform that, that do countdowns or any, anything fun like that, that, that give people, you know, kind of create create that enthusiasm and excitement towards the end of a campaign? Yeah, we do. So on the campaign page, we'll put a countdown timer when it comes to 30 days. So they'll have like okay. a 20 day, you know, 19 days left. And then we also do a, um, we have a presentation. So if a nonprofit's hosting an event or if some, even somebody just sitting at home, they can click on the presentation and they can watch the numbers being drawn through our random number generator. And oh, so that's, that's really awesome. fun to see. Yeah. It feels like, um, when you're pulling a slot at a slot machine, kind of, um, a, a really cool display that shows up for the donors to be able to watch the drawing. Okay, cool. So TapCat runs the, all that process. The nonprofits don't have to take care of any of that stuff. That's great. Yeah. All they have to do is push a button and that'll draw the winner for them at the end of the <laughs> campaign. So it's as simple <laughs> awesome. as that. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. I love it. Well, this has been super fun. And I, I, I'm really excited to have spoken with you today and to learn more about, about this great system. Where can people find out more about, about TapCat? Yeah. So uh, visit our website. It's tapcat.com and we are T-A-P-K-A-T.com. And even though we have cat in the name, we are all dog people, but we do not discriminate against cat people uh, like you, Stu. I know you're a cat guy. Well, we have dogs and cats, and fortunately, uh, they all behave today, which <laughs> is good. which is fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my dog didn't um, shake her head or start running around either, so that's always a good day. That's great. Well, I really had a great time talking with you today, Annie. One of the things I love to do at the end of all of my shows is is not just have it end with a conversation, but have it end with an action item. Um, because I really want people to, to take action and go out and do something um, to make the world a better place um, or just have fun or relax or whatever it is that they want to do. Um, so after listening to the show today, what would you want our listeners to do? Oh, well, I know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to tell listeners to go do this. Go eat a delicious snack. That sounds like a good plan. I think I'm going to go join you. Yeah. Awesome. So go eat a snack. Go check out tapcat.com and uh, see if sweepstakes might be good for, for your organization. I, I, I'm excited to see if we can get one off the ground and running for uh, Netherland Area Trails organization this year. So I'm sure we'll be back in touch soon. Yeah, great. Well, thank you so much, Stu. Thanks, Annie. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, there you have it. Another great episode of Relish This. Thanks for listening. If you would like to learn more about how to apply the audience engagement cycle to expand your organization's mission, there are two things you can do. Right now, you can go to missionuncomfortablebook.com to download a copy of my book. And while you're there, you can get your purpose-driven marketing score to see where you can unearth some gold for your organization. If you'd like to listen to back episodes of the show or sign up to be a guest, go to relishstudio.com slash podcast. That's it for this week. I'll be back next week for another great episode of Relish This.